check this out. One day this lady was throwing this uh, birthday party for her granddaughter. Anybody ever do that? Okay, that's right. And, and she'd gone all out, man. You know, it's a granddaughter, right? She hired a caterer. She hired a band. She even hired a clown, Pastor Jim. And, 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 but just before the party started, two guys showed up looking for a handout. Yeah. So she felt sorry for him, and so she told him, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a meal, uh, but if you help me chop some wood out back. And so they gratefully agreed, and they headed for the back of the house where the wood was. And Well, meanwhile, the guests arrived, and the children were having a wonderful time, but there was a problem. The clown never showed up, Freddie. Yeah, serious stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and so with this, the woman, she was obviously disappointed, but just when she was about to give up hope, listen, she happened to look out the window, and she saw one of those guys in the backyard doing cartwheels across the lawn. In fact, she continued to watch in awe as this guy, he's swinging from the trees, man. He's doing flips in midair. He's leaping high in midair all over the place. And so the lady, she runs out to the backyard. She says to the other guy there, she says, man, what your friend is doing is absolutely marvelous. I've never seen such a thing. Do you think that he uh, would consider repeating that performance for the children for 50 bucks? And Al Weiland says, I don't know. Let me ask him. Hey, Kenny, for 50 bucks, would you chop off another toe? You didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> Neither did Jeanette when she let Alan Kinney through the gate that day. Last time you do that, I tell you what. But anyway, seriously, folks, as you guys can see, uh, obviously, not, no fault of hers, but uh, Jeanette was clueless to Kinney's pain there, wasn't she? Right. And believe it or not, folks, she's not alone. The Bible says one day the whole planet's going to do the same thing. They're totally clueless, unfortunate, to some serious pain. And that's when this is going to happen. The Antichrist is going to dupe the whole planet into thinking they're entering this great party atmosphere. But Jesus said, uh-uh. Don't be duped. Don't be deceived. It's your greatest nightmare. You're headed for some serious pain. And the reason why is because it's going to be a painful time is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior right now, the Bible's clear you're going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation, and that is not a joke. It's an outpouring of God's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet. And Jesus said in the Bible, Matthew 24, it's going to be a time of greater horror than this world has ever seen or will ever see again. And that unless God shortened that time of calamity, the entire human race would be destroyed. How many guys would say, that's a bad day? Okay, yeah, and that's why he warns us, okay? He's not just a God of wrath, which again, it's not bad. That means he's putting an end to all the injustice and evil and suffering. That's good. But he's also a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he's given us so many warning signs so we're not caught off guard, okay? To let us know when the tribulation is getting near. We don't know the exact day nor the hour, but we know when it's getting near in the scripture. Therefore, in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, amen? Even worse, believe it or not, than apparently Alan Kinney showing up to your next birthday party. Uh, we're going to continue our study. That's right. The final countdown. The final countdown. We've already seen, folks, the number 10 sign on the final countdown was the Jewish people. Number nine was modern technology. Uh, number eight, the worldwide upheaval. Number seven, the rise of falsehood. Number six, the rise of wickedness. Number five, the rise of apostasy. Number four, the rise of a one-world religion. And the last two times, the number three sign was the rise of a one-world government. And what we saw is the Bible's clear, folks. When you see all the world's government on the planet coming together as one, and that's happening right now today, and we've been seeing that, folks, with the chronological proof, the administration proof, the quotation proof, and last time, if you were here, with the tactical proof, where we saw that the actual Antichrist is going to use some pretty evil, deceptive tactics to dupe people, to deceive people, and to go along with this one government. And if you were here last week, we saw one of those tactics is called fear and manipulation. Why? Because he's not stupid, folks. He knows that if he's going to dupe the whole world into going along with a one-world government and to surrender your sovereignty, even as a nation, he knows the historical uh, truth, that people are more apt to surrender their freedoms in a time of fear uh, 
in fact, let's practice that. We got a couple more today. He knows we are more apt to surrender our freedoms in a time of fear than in a time of peace. And what we saw last week, if you were here, that's exactly the same evil tactic the world leaders are doing around the world today to dupe us to go along with this one world government. But that's not all the sixth proof we know. We are really headed, just like the Bible said, as if we should even need to doubt. You shouldn't doubt. But the sixth proof we know we're headed for a one world government is what I call the control proof. Not just the evil tactic, but it's leading to certain things. Absolute total control. The Bible is clear, folks. We are not just headed towards an evil, deceptive, antichrist kingdom, but that kingdom is going to be one of absolute iron fist total control of the whole planet. You will do what he says to do, or you will die. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open to Revelation 13. Open your Bibles to Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18, the back half of the text we saw last time. This one now focusing on not just the Antichrist, but the false prophet who's the cohort of the Antichrist. And what does he do in conjunction with him, and what does he uh, force people to do? It's a controlled society. Let's take a look at that. You find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang on left, that's right. All right, Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. Now this is talking about not the beast out of the sea, but the beast out of the earth. Okay, the false prophet. And here's what he, does, uh, what he does with the Antichrist. He says, then I saw another beast, the false prophet, coming out of the earth. Now he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He too, defined by the text, is satanically inspired. Okay. He exercised all authority of the first beast, the Antichrist, on his behalf and made the earth, what he, he what? Mm, made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. And because of these signs, he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He what? Ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, the Antichrist, so that it could speak and what? Cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also what? forced everyone small and great rich and poor free and slave to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of his name now this calls for wisdom if anybody's got insight let him calculate the number of uh, the beast for it is man's number his number is six 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 okay now, folks, according to our text, I think it's pretty clear. Not only does the false prophet in the last days work with the Antichrist, but he dupes the whole world into worshiping the Antichrist. And that's still not all. Notice how he gets the job done. Notice again, I drew them out for you. What were the key words? What was the, the, the verbs going on there? He makes them do it. He orders them to do it. If you don't worship the Antichrist, hey, guess what? You're going to die, right? It says it right there. And he still goes on. He says, oh, and by the way, if you don't take his mark, not just worship him, if you don't take his mark, then what's going to happen to you? You're going to be forced to do it, okay? You are not going to be able to buy or sell anything anywhere on the whole planet. And again, how many guys would say that's, gosh, not your good idea of a weekend. You know what I'm saying? That's a really rough time on the planet, okay? And again, that's why Jesus said it's the worst time in the history of mankind, okay? But here's the point. The Bible says, notice the context here. It says the world. All the inhabitants of the earth. All of this taking place is not taking place in just one country. It's being done contextually on a global scale, which means logically, in order for this to happen, for the Antichrist and the false prophet to make 
to cause, to force, to order people to do what they want them to do, then common sense tells you these guys at some point have to have some serious control over the planet, right? It's one thing to grab control, like some communist leaders over, you know, Stalin, you know, over the people. But this is on a global scale. They've got to control the whole planet, right? If you're going to make, cause, order, and force people. Okay, now here's the point, folks. Believe it or not, that time is now. Little by little, slowly but surely, as we have been asleep at the wheel, they have been grabbing total control of the planet so that one day, possibly very soon, we are going to be made, we are going to be caused, we are going to be forced to do what they say, including take a chip, okay? And the first control mechanism they've already put into place to force us to go along with this one world government of the Antichrist kingdom is the control of our food supply. Once again, stop eating chicken because there it is, folks. Need I say more? We can close in prayer. <laughs> right our food supply okay now, now think about it because they thought of everything okay they, they've had a long time to whoop up these plants this isn't something willy-nilly over a weekend okay think about it folks you might be out there thinking well hey man pastor billy there's no way they're gonna get me uh-uh i'm not going along with this one world government I, i'm just gonna store up my own food supply i'm gonna take care of my basic needs i'm gonna hide out in the hills and I, they can't get me i'm free Woo! not if they control the food supply and folks, the Bible says that's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do in the last days. Revelation chapter 6, let's take a look at that text again. Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, this is the first half of the seven-year tribulation time frame. The Lamb opened the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Okay, and then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wages. That's all you get for one day and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, okay? And do not damage the oil and the wine. Okay, wish we had time to go into that, but we don't, okay? But here's the point. If you recall the last time we were there in this text, this is talking about the famine conditions, the global famine conditions that are gonna be on the planet during the first half of the seven-year tribulation. And what it tells us in that text is the famine conditions during that time, you don't wanna be there, is gonna be so bad that the whole world is going to be on some sort of global food distribution program, right? How are you going to be able to dish out even that option of wheat or barley unless you control the food around the planet, right? And we saw that before, okay? But here's the point. It says there, here's your option. You could work one whole day so bad. You're going to have to work for your food. You, you, you could get one quart of wheat just for yourself. Or you can opt out for that and you could get three quarts of barley, much less nutritional, literally animal feed uh, for you and your family of two that's it that's all you're going to get that's how bad it is now here's the point believe it or not folks that's exactly what these people the same people who are pushing for this one world government are saying we need to do right now we've got to get total control of the global food supply okay and once again what they're doing is they're using the same tactics fear manipulation fear manipulation to get the job done okay we, we don't have i don't know if you've noticed i don't know if you heard have you been paying attention we don't just have a food problem across the planet. We have a food crisis. Uh, let's try that again for those of you in the 18th row. We have a food crisis. Uh, right? Hey, I mean, haven't you heard? Folks, the media's been telling us we've got salmonella outbreaks and spinach. And yeah, who cares on that one? Uh, tomatoes, uh, a peanut butter, peanut, not the peanut butter. What will the kids do? How will they survive? And then if that's not bad enough, there's that E. coli thing. There's that hoof and mouth disease. What will we do? <gasps> hey, I know. If only we had some sort of global food entity, some sort of global food control system controlling the global food supply, they can keep us safe. 
Do you see it? Manufacture this to get us to cry out for what they want us to cry out for, okay? And for those of you who think that this is not a manufactured crisis to get total control of our food supply, let's deal with some of that facts, folks. Okay, recently the Obama administration has created what's called a food safety uh, to, quote, protect the U.S. food supply. And they say because the foodborne illnesses have increased greatly uh, in recent years. Okay, including major outbreaks in salmonella involving spinach and peppers and tomatoes. And yes, that's right, believe it or not, kids, even peanut butter. Okay, and he says, listen, we're not just designing laws that will keep the American people safe, but we are, what's that word there? Enforcing them. And here's the enforcement. In fact, if you don't follow these new food laws that they're coming up with, you might be losing your property. Okay, another house resolution is called the Food Safety Modernization Act, and it calls for the creation of a food safety administration like the FDA, FSA, Okay, uh, to, quote, allow the government to regulate all food production at all levels and even mandates property seizure if you don't comply. Okay, gets even worse. And they got fines up to $1 million per offense and criminal prosecution if you don't follow their regulations. And then another bill out there is called the Food Safety and Tracking Improvement Act. And it's not only backed by Monsanto, Archer Daniels Midlet, and my arch enemy, Tyson. Okay, but it's going to give the government the authority to what? To protect the, not just American food supply, global food supply, right? With a national database of our food supply with electronic records to identify. Now, Lord willing, once we get to the Mark of the Beast issue, you're going to see they literally have plans to track and tag every single thing on the planet. Not just people, but every piece of food product. Buy and sell, buy and sell crazy folks but we'll see that when we get there lord willing and then their plan is that they're going to electronically tag our food where the food was grown prepared handled manufactured processed distributed shipped warehouse imported conveyed to ensure of course the safety of our food because we can't live without peanut butter okay it gets even worse uh one of the guys pushing this said hey man if the postal service can track a package from my office in washington to my office in cincinnati we should be able to do the same thing for food products everybody will know where it's at. Unless you think it's not going to lead to a total control of our food supply, here's just one a recent occurrence. A SWAT team with semi-automatic rivals entered a private home of a food cooperative in LaGrange, Ohio, whereupon they herded the family onto their couches in the living room, kept guns trained on them, the parents, the children, the infants, and the toddlers from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. They began rifling through the possessions, taking many items. The family was not permitted to make a phone call. They were not told what uh, crime they were charged with. They, they were not read their rights, and over $10,000 worth of food was taken, including their personal stock for that upcoming year, and they were virtually shut down. There was no rational explanation, no justification for this extreme violation of their constitutional rights in America right now. <laughs> Man, so much for storing up your own food supply. They're going to come take it. Interesting. But that's not all. Just to make sure that you and I go along with this. Crisis! We have to have somebody else control our food supply. Buy and sell, buy and sell. They've got another fear, in case you don't want it. Oh, who cares about salmonella? He's, he's my best friend. <laughs> you know, I don't care about peanut butter. You can have it. I don't care. Well, here's another crisis they got up. Pay attention. We've been snookered on this one. It's called that dreaded obesity crisis. Oh, yeah. But I'm telling you, folks, we're being snookered right now. Okay, they're using this obesity crisis on top of the salmonella food fear crisis to grab control of our food, okay? And here's the rationale. They're saying, hey, we, we've got to let somebody else control our food for us because for the sake of these other people who can't control it for themselves. And, and after all, the high cost of health care 
We have to have somebody else control it for us. In fact, it's getting so bad today that they're in schools already starting to issue a new report card for the kids. It's called fat report cards. Yeah, check this out. This is crazy. For some time now, health officials in this country have been warning of a growing epidemic of childhood obesity. Many schools have responded, taking steps to promote exercise and healthier eating habits. Well, now in Denver, they're going even farther, sending home a new kind of report card. Here's NBC's George Lewis. Ten-year-old Isabel Martinez broke into tears when she read the notice placed in her backpack and intended for her parents. School health authorities had marked her down as overweight. That was the first thing she saw. Mom, it says I'm overweight. I'm fat, Mom. Mm -hmm. And I just, it just broke my heart to hear her cry. She was just falling. The way this information was delivered to the family was against any of the guidelines related to privacy of health information. So why would they want to do that? Because haven't you heard the fearful reports? Haven't you seen the projections? Aren't you scared yet? 42% of Americans may end up obese by 2013. And unless we, quote, bring this under control, see if you can't demonstrate that yourself, we'll do it for you. If we can't bring this under control, that are, means our health care costs are going to skyrocket. In fact, a bill's already been introduced, folks, in America to do just that. It would allow the federal and state governments to track how fat or skinny American children are. Okay? Uh, and pretty soon, even here in America, adults, you're going to have to comply with their health regulations. You know, under the, we've we got to get this health care cost down. Aren't you glad somebody took it over? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, or you could lose your job. What? Yeah, it's already happening. Take a look at this one. How's this for an ultimatum at work? Quit smoking or you're fired. A year ago, we told you about a Michigan medical benefits firm that canned four employees who refused to be tested for nicotine. Now a well-known national company is threatening to do the same thing to workers who light up. Here's CNBC's Diana Olick. On the smoke-free campus of Scott's Miracle Grow, the wellness center is packed with a lunchtime crowd. We're trying to improve the um, wellness of our associates. With a $5 million gym, free health screening, free counseling, and a promise to most of its 5,300 employees. You smoke, you're fired. We gave them a year heads up in states where we have a choice, which is about 60% of our people, to We'll give them pharmaceuticals, we'll give them counseling, whatever they need, we'll give them, and there's no expense on what we'll do to get people to quit. So what about states where this policy is illegal, like New Hampshire? Well, one manufacturer there, Kimball Physics, says if you even smell like smoke, you can't come in the building. In other words, these ladies couldn't go back to work. Some companies, such as General Mills, are charging smokers more for health care. And one medical benefits company itself is even going after smokers' spouses. So then what's going to be next after that? People that overeat? Perhaps, because as corporate America chokes on the cost of health care, where there's smoke, there will be firings. And it's going to get worse. It's going towards the food. In fact, just to make sure that you comply with these new health regulations, if you've been paying attention in certain states, New York's one of them, just came from there, folks. They are starting to ban, literally ban certain foods from restaurants, okay, taking your choice away, and they're actually proposing what's called the fat or obesity tax on certain bad foods. Let's take a look at that. If you do like drinking soda. It's crazy. What? Why would it just be on sugared soda? Try this on for size. The governor's proposed obesity tax, charging 18% sales tax for sodas on top of the 8% already collected. Of course, it takes more money out of our pockets. Here's the skinny on the plan. Any soda except diet would be taxed at the higher rate. 
Drinks containing less than 70% fruit juice could also be taxed. But the biggest thing is, is us taking the brunt of the customer irritation or frustration with more tax. Uh, we get to see it. But I never drink it, so it doesn't bother me at all. It's not only soda. The beer tax would more than double. Malt beverages would be taxed at the higher liquor rate. There's a lot for convenience store customers not to like. But many critics are wondering where the line is. Does it simply end with soda or does the taxing continue with things like cakes or even your favorite coffee? One of our uh, concerns is not only about this particular proposal, but about what happens next. Uh, what's the next product that may contain sugar that would be taxed at an exorbitant level? But I'm sure they'll stop just there. No, they won't. Here comes the next one. Uh, believe it or not, folks, pretty soon it might become a federal offense to eat salted popcorn. Hey, it's for your own good. Calm down. Okay. Uh, the FDA is planning to limit the salt intake of Americans for our so-called own health protection because we can't demonstrate uh, restraint. And it's not just uh, popcorn on uh, salt on popcorn, but in uh, salt and sauces, breads, thousands of other products. And the main culprits behind this, I want to expose this for you. Check it out yourself. It's called the Center for Science and the Public Interest, or CSPI. Okay. They're being called the new direct quote, food police. And it's headed up by this guy, Michael Jacobson, who's a rabid vegetarian. And he's not only horrified by nearly about anything we choose to eat, but he's calling on taxes for all kinds of food, just about everything we eat. Okay, and listen to this. In fact, the critics are asking him, they're looking at his list of what we shouldn't eat and we're gonna be taxed on. They said, well, what's left to eat? Listen to this, direct quote. He suggests a sandwich of lettuce and bread, but be careful because the bread has salt in it and the lettuce may have been sprayed with chemicals. And so his advice for the American public is we need a diet of potatoes and carrots, but don't overindulge in them. And I got to thinking about this. I said, gee whiz, what's next? You're going to force us on go on a vegetarian diet like wheat and barley or something? Anybody putting the chinks together? Why does it say wheat and barley in the text? Why does it say at least meat? You got to have maybe, maybe not. Okay, and he actually said this direct quote. He says that the American public cannot be trusted to make their own choices with food, so we must do it for them. Wow, interesting. Folks, I don't know about you, but it looks to me like all these uh, food fears, uh -oh, all these obesity fears, uh, it's leading to a total control of our food supply. How about you? Looks like their, their manipulation's working like a charm. I mean, the next thing you know, uh, you're gonna probably hear something like this. Hey, you're not gonna be able to buy or sell any food unless you do what we say. Ever heard that before? Oh, yeah, that's the Antichrist kingdom that Revelation 13 says is going to happen when you're living in the last days. But that's not all. The second control mechanism they're already putting into place to force us to go along with this Antichrist one world government system is our water supply. Yes, even the water. And they thought of everything, folks, because you might be out there thinking logically, even after finding that information out, you might say, well, hey, man, Pastor Bill, they're still not going to get me. Okay, my, my, they might be able to get the control of this food supply thing. Okay, but I'm going to store up food right now, a whole bunch of it. Okay, and, and if all I got to do is get access to a good, steady supply of water, <laughs> I'm free. Not if they grab control of, guess what? The water supply. And the Bible's clear, folks, man, you're going to need some water, especially fresh water, during the seven-year tribulation. Let's take a look at that text. That's in Revelation chapter 8, verses 6, 8 through 11. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. And the second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, asteroid, all ablaze, was thrown into the where? The sea. 
A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living uh, creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships destroyed. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, possibly a comet, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of the water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. And so, folks, here we see in the seven-year tribulation that uh, not only does the salt water, the sea, get judged by God, but even the fresh water gets judged by God, right? It said the springs in the text there. That's fresh water, okay? And so what this tells us that not only as a result, many people died as a result of this, uh, water issues, okay, but it tells us that, man, logically, whoever in the world controls the water supply on the planet during the seven-year tribulation can sure exert a lot of control over people, right? And folks, once again, believe it or not, these exact same people right now who are pushing for this one world government, they're doing the exact same thing. We've got to get control of our total global water supply. Why? Because haven't you guys heard? We don't have just a water problem. We've got a water crisis. Ooh, that's right. You're getting into it sort of, maybe. I mean, haven't you heard the news? There's chemicals being dumped into our streams. There's poison leaching into our water table. There's those deadly toxins, Al, that are being released into municipal water plants. In fact, don't you know, there's even drugs in our water supply. Yep, there's all kinds of them. Let's take a look at this news report. They're starting to squeak this one out, too. Let's take a look. Well, the Associated Press, Karen, they spent five months investigating this, and they looked at various municipal water supplies. Not all of them f keep track of whether or not there are pharmaceuticals, but the ones that do, they all had traces of various medicines. And I'm going to give you a list. This will give you some idea of the kinds of things that they found. For example, in Atlanta, where I am right now, they found that the water contained traces of antibiotics, blood pressure drugs, in Cincinnati, cholesterol drugs, they found a trace of one of those, and estrogen that women sometimes take for medicinal reasons. And in New York, cities, they found, New York City, they found a trace of a seizure drug and an anti-anxiety drug. Now, to give you sort of the big picture, how many drugs did they find in the drinking water? In Philadelphia, they found trace amounts of 56 different drugs. In New York City, they found traces of 16 drugs, and in northern New Jersey, 13 drugs. So, of course, the next question is, well, what about bottled water? Well, I, I hate to sound so pessimistic here. Bottled water often just is repackaged tap water, and, and that doesn't help us much at all either, or even sometimes if it's spring water, it could still possibly contain these trace amounts, and those filters at home, they are not sensitive enough to get rid of the pharmaceuticals. Hey, folks, I don't know about you, but this is pretty obvious. We've got a serious water problem on our hands. Okay, now, as a side note, what's even more serious, if you think about this, is, hey, wait a second, how in the world did those drugs get there in the first place? Now, a lot of people would say that it's probably just from us in our medicated society taking medications, and when we go to the bathroom, it eventually goes into the public water supply. Okay, could be. But then there's other people who will say, well, maybe there's something more nefarious going on that other governments around the world have already, it's been proven historically, have done to their populations but hopefully it wouldn't happen here in America. Let's take a look at that. This is an official government report, and here's what the guy testified. He said, quote, while a member of the Communist Party, I attended communist underground training schools outside the city of New York. What, communism still being promoted in America? Yeah, that's a whole other topic. He says, we discussed quite thoroughly the fluoridation of water supplies and how we were using it in Russia as a tranquilizer uh, in the prison camps. He said the leaders of our communist school felt that if it could be induced into the American water supply, it would bring about a spirit of lethargy in the nation. Why won't people get involved? Interesting. 
He says, where it would also keep the general public docile during a steady encroachment of communism. And we also discussed the fact that keeping a store of deadly fluoride near the water reservoir would be advantageous during the time of the revolution, as it would give us an opportunity to dump this poison into the water supply and either kill off the populace or threaten them with liquidation. And so that they would surrender to obtain what? Fresh. Gotta have fresh drinking water. And he says, listen, both the Germans and the Russians added fluoride to the drinking water of prisoners of wars to make them stupid and docile. An actual government report. But hey, that would never happen. But folks, all I know, here's the whole point. Whatever you want to say, how did that get in our water supply? What's going on with our water supply? Drugs, chemicals, poisons, toxins, whatever. We've got a crisis on our hands. And, and, and in fact, we've got to let somebody control it for us. Wouldn't it be great if the United Nations would control all the water on the planet? That's actually where we're headed. But first, even here in America, did you know pretty soon, it might be illegal for you to collect your own water supply. Okay, let's take a look at that, folks. Believe it or not, right now, it is illegal to collect rainwater. Could you not? In many states here in America, or you are going to be penalized. You need to go to them to get that right. Here's just one report out of Salt Lake City. Let's take a look. Who owns the rain? Turns out, not you. You're actually breaking the law if you try to capture rain falling under your roof and pour it on your flower bed. A prominent Utah car dealer found that out when he tried to do something good for the environment. John Hollenhorst has the surprising story. Rebecca Nelson captures rainwater in a barrel and she pours it on her plants. We can fill up a barrel in one rainstorm, so it seems a waste to let it just fall into the gravel. Car dealer Mark Miller wanted to do pretty much the same thing on a bigger scale. He collects rainwater on the roof of his new building, stores it in a cistern, and hopes to clean cars with it in a new water-efficient car wash. But without a valid water right, state officials say he can't legally divert rainwater. I was surprised. We thought it was our water. So what about the little guy watering with rainwater at home? Will anybody do anything about that violation of the law? If she really does do that, then she ought to have a water right to do it. Rainwater. Oh, but that's not all, folks. Unless you think it's not going global, not making up the UN is seeking to control the whole planet's water supply. They're pushing this program, once again, give it up for environmentalism. And they're calling it the, check it out yourself, the Blue Planet Project, okay? And under the guise that our planet is experiencing a global water crisis. Haven't you watched the news? There's more than 1 billion people who don't have access to safe drinking water and millions are dying from water-related diseases. Therefore, they say the UN needs to control the whole planet's water supply because water is life. And they're going to dictate that life to you. Okay? Believe it or not, folks, it's called the mother of all power grabs because it undermines the sovereignty of every nation on the planet. Yet, oddly enough, the news is totally ignoring what should be the biggest story of the year. They're going to own the water everywhere, even in America, if they get their way. Folks, I don't know about you, but you put all this together, it looks like all these water fears are leading to a total global control of our water supply. How about you? I mean, the next thing you know, somebody's going to appear on the scene and say, hey, you better do what I say or you get no water. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah, that's the Antichrist kingdom, Revelation 13, that's going to appear on the scenes in the last days. But that's not all the third control mechanism they've already put into place. The forces go along. They've covered all bases, folks, is this one. It's our health supply. Time's running out. We've got to do something. The health crisis, right? Ooh. 
There, thank you very much. That's right. Okay, you see, you might be out there thinking, well, hey, man, they're still not going to give me Pastor Billy because I'm going to start right now. That's right. That's what I'm doing right. I'm skipping the whole Mother's Day thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going straight out there. I'm going to store up all kinds of food for at least a good 10 years or so. Uh, I'm going to get water somehow. I'm going to store it on the ground. I'm going to beat their system. They can't get me. <laughs> not if they control the health care system. You see, if you read the Bible according to the seven-year tribulation, uh, you're going to need some serious health care. It's going to be a time full of um, unimaginable injuries nonstop, okay? Let's take a look. I just did a little outline for you of the seven-year tribulation. It's not everything, but I'm kind of gathering out, hmm, you don't want to be there, okay? Let's take a look at what's going to happen during that time. Well, it starts off with the seal judgments, and you got the first seal. That's the white horse rider. The Antichrist comes in on this utopia. Yay, it's going to be great if you just let me do this for you. It's a false peace. And then he shows his colors very quickly after the second seal, the red horse, and that's when a global war breaks across the planet. Then you have a global famine uh, that goes across the planet. Then the fourth one, they've got a global death. One fourth of mankind is slaughtered. Right now, if that were to happen, about two billion people, is, they're going to die four different ways. We saw this last week by the sword, by famine, by plague, and by wild beasts are going to die. The fifth seal is going to be a global persecution of those who get saved after the seven-year tribulation. Then you have the beginning of the great tribulation, the second half. The sixth seal busts out, and it's a foreboding time to say, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's a global earthquake. There's the sun turns black. The moon turns blood red. Asteroids fall to the earth. The sky recedes. Mountains and islands on the whole planet are removed from their places. There's a global fear at that time. People literally in the Greek there says that people are so scared, they're literally dropping like flies from a heart attack. It's such a horrid time, but that's nothing. That's just the first half. Then you got the, sec uh, the trumpet judgments. And then you got one-third of the earth, the trees, and all the green grasses burned up. Uh, then you got the one-third of the sea dies, one-third of the ships destroyed. We saw that text earlier. And then one-third of the rivers and the fresh water become bitter. Many people across the planet die. The solar gets struck. One-third of the sun, moon, and stars are struck. One-third of the day at night is without light. Then Satan uh, uh, releases a, a, a demon horde of locusts gets released, and people are tortured for five months unimaginably. What a text. Uh, who take the mark of the beast. Uh, four angels are then loosed from the river Euphrates. One third of mankind gets wiped out. One fourth is already gone. Now another one third gets wiped out. Uh, then that's still not all. Now you got the bold judgments towards the end. You got ugly and painful sores break out on those who take the mark of the beast. All the sea turns to blood. Not a third, all of it. Every living creature in the whole planet in the sea dies. It's horrid. And then all the rivers and fresh water turn to blood. You don't have any water left on the planet, okay? And then all of a sudden the sun gets turned up and starts scorching people with fire and you got no water. And it says they curse God because of the plagues and the kingdom of the Antichrist, he's the big fat loser, he loses. He's plunged into darkness. The Euphrates rivers dries up to prepare the way for the battle of Armageddon. You got the final pronouncement from God, it is done. And then you have the greatest of all earthquakes. The Jerusalem is split into three. All the cities on the whole planet, every single one of them collapses. You got a cup of wrath given out to Babylon on the one world religion system is destroyed all the islands and the mountains on the whole planet is gone a massive hailstorm the hail is 100 pounds each smashing into people and the battle of armageddon with the the, the a massacre jesus christ wins hello revelation 19 and it's such a bloody massacre that the blood is as high as a horse's bridle 1600 stadia that's four feet deep for 200 miles and that's not everything that goes on but here's my conclusion. I'm kind of thinking maybe me and Al and possibly Kenny with his toe that uh, if you're in the seven-year tribulation, you're going to have a great need for health care if you survive. Of course, the whole point is please don't go there in the first place. But as you can see, here's the point. Whoever controls the health care system at that time really has a lot of control over people, don't they? 
And I don't know about you, but it's so awesome that we have this open window of freedom because we see no signs of anybody controlling our health care. Yeah, thank you for those sound effects there. Uh, yes, it's, what do you think just happened, folks? In the history of our country, okay, they are gathering our health care control. Listen, okay, under the guise of we didn't have, did you hear the debates? We didn't have a health care problem. We had a health care crisis. And therefore, we've got to have some universal control. Somebody's got to control our, our, our health care system, make it universal, because it's not right, it's not fair, and everybody's got to pay their fair share. And if you don't think, folks, it's all a ruse to grab control of not just our life, but even our death. Let's take a look at what's in that health care barrel. I don't have time to get all of them. I'm just going to hit a couple highlights. And by the way, as you look through this, remember the words, I believe, from Nancy Pelosi. She said, and I quote, we have to pass this thing in order to find out what's in there. Now that people are looking what's in there, they're saying, what in the world have we done? Let's take a look at what's in that bill. First of all, what most people don't realize is that the new health care system calls for the creation of a so-called health care military force. Let's take a look at that. Ah, health care now, and with the bill now a law, Fox News is asking what next. Today, a closer look at a little-known provision of the overhaul, one about which you may not have heard anything. The reform law calls for the creation of 6,000-person army, if you will, a sort of army of trained public health care professionals. With us now, Fox News senior judicial analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano. The language is intentionally vague, and it's a little scary because of the military-sounding words used in the creation of this group. Yeah, they ought to change those words. Well, by referring to it as a reserve corps, yeah. and the training is the same as the regular corps, it gives you the impression that the president has the power to take over the National Guard from state governors in peacetime. Mm -hmm. Now, under the Constitution, he can't do that but a fair reading of this legislation would let them do it. Another way to read the legislation is these are health care professionals, but they're going to train with the military, meaning they would carry sidearms. Oh, really? And would they have, would carry sidearms? Well, if they're going to train with the military, that's what the military trains with. If you, if you look on the, on the debates on the floor of the Congress, there's nothing, nothing about this and many other clauses in this because members of Congress didn't have the time to read it. Does it sound well-intentioned to you? I mean, it no, it no, doesn't, doesn't. sound well-intentioned to me because of the military language. If the government needs physicians, it has the ability to hire them. But putting them under the direct command of the president and saying you will train with the military is what is scary. Why do we need military-oriented physicians if the emergency is stateside? Unless, of course, maybe there's going to be something in that new health care system that once people find out what's in there, they're going to not want to go along with it. Well, let's take a look at just a few things that are actually in there. I even cited the pages if you want to go check it out yourself. Pages 29, 30, and 42, it states that a government committee will not only ration your health care, just like Canada, but they will decide what treatments you are allowed to have and what your overall benefits are. You are not going to have a choice. They lied. Let's continue on. Pages 272, 335 through 339, it rations the care of cancer patients and limits the treatment choices based upon the patient's health condition. Listen. In other words, this will result in the oldest, weakest, and sickest patients being denied treatments simply because the statistics say that their success rate is poor. It's not worth the money because we need a better percentage rate of your success rate. Oh, and it gets even worse than that. Uh, page 425, it mandates a, quote, advanced care planning consultation to encourage seniors who are poor in health to be more accepting of death rather than fighting to stay alive with their loved ones. 
And then it provides an approved list of end-of-life resources to guide seniors about the process of dying. In fact, listen, every five years in the bill, check it out yourself, uh, every five years, people in Medicare will be forced to have a counseling session to tell them how to end their life sooner. It also recommends a method of death, the use of artificially administered nutrition and hydration. That wasn't on the news. Oh, but it gets even worse. Page 427, 429. It actually mandates a program for orders on the end of life, actually giving the government a say in how your life ends and gives an advanced care planning consultant the power to order end of life plans for the patient. But I want to stay alive. I want to at least try. Too bad. It gives them the ability. I, I had to throw this one in there. Page 40, 494 and 4 through 498. It allows the government to define mental illness and what services these people need to be treated with. Remember what we saw six weeks with persecution, one world religion? Who's the new mental terrorist on the planet? Maybe an evangelical fundamental right-wing Christian is mentally ill. That's actually what they're already starting to say. I wonder how we're going to be treated. Oh, okay, but it gets even worse. Uh, pages 259, 261, 1006, and 1052. Depends on what bill you read because they hop around. Listen to this. It talks about the secretary establishing a national medical device registry database that is to be used in or on a patient covering class three devices or a class two medical device that's implantable. Interesting. Now, the question is, what's a class two medical a device that's implantable? Well, some say it's just referring to devices like pacemakers, but others are saying there's also another device out there that's a class two medical device. It's called the biochip that they're pushing for us all to receive this implant for medical purposes. The manufacturer actually admits it's called a class two medical device. Let's take a look at that. In medical news tonight, a chip the size of a grain of rice could save your life. Mm -hmm. Seven's on call with Dr. Jay Adlersberg. Jay? Shade, Diana, what happens if you're in a bad accident and can't communicate with emergency workers and doctors? New microchip technology now makes it possible for the emergency room staff to find out about your medical history at the touch of a computer key. In an emergency room, a split-second decision can mean the difference between life and death. So many emergency physicians have to operate blind. We have to make medical decisions not knowing what medicines you take or what allergies you have. Hi, Dr. Hamaka. We're going to uh, check your scan today, okay? Harvard doctor John Halamka says this radio frequency identification chip may solve that problem. He had it implanted in his right upper arm. A scanner reads an identification number. Those 16 digits are then entered into a secure website where his medical history is stored. EMT worker Brian Orsati says the chip could help emergency workers. One of the big things is if, if you ever have um, some type of trauma patient where they come in and they're unable to give you their information and or their medical history. Anyone can get the chip and while some patients may be concerned about privacy issues, Dr. Halamka says the benefits are clear. I'm a rock climber and I believe that if I fall off a cliff and you find me unconscious, the comfort of being able to scan me and figure out who I am outweighs my concern for privacy. The procedure is done with anesthesia and is relatively pain-free. It's like putting a knitting needle under your skin. But in this case, he says getting something under your skin is a good thing. And it is certainly critical to the evolution of information technology in healthcare, which we all know is archaic, the way healthcare is done today in emergency rooms and physicians' offices. As right. you know, Verichip has been approved by the FDA as a class two medical device. A class two medical device. But hey, I'm sure they're just talking about pacemakers and the healthcare field. What's another interesting thing, and it's actually kind of freaky, uh, 
I don't have time to go into it too much, but uh, you have to get my notes later online or something, and because uh, I share it there. Uh, another provision that's in this health care bill is the government is now going to mandate that all health care records are electronic now, which that thing can do, as you just saw. Number two is they are going to have direct access to your bank account to ensure payment. And do you know what else that device can simultaneously do? Be used to make financial transactions. Interesting. Well, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like we're headed towards a time when, I don't know, maybe somebody's going to show up on the scene and say, hey, take this chip or you're going to die. But interesting. Well, I got to share this quote because I really think it's uh, appropriate. You're going, how in the world could our politicians, even here in America, pass this kind of baloney? Well, first of all, as you just heard, that most of them didn't even read it before it got passed. Okay, but listen to this. There's another reason why. Okay, one guy says this. He said, it is staggering to see the number of political leaders who profess to be Christians and yet who are the very same people who promoted this legislation that undermines their Christian belief system. He said the reason for this contradiction is that the majority of so-called Christian politicians do not have a biblical worldview. They don't know Bible prophecy. Why? Listen to this. He says their understanding of God's word is superficial and often not genuine, which is a reflection of the lack of good Bible teaching from the pulpits of America. Listen, he says we have entire denominations and churches that actually are forbidding the teaching of Bible prophecy and the book of Revelation, which is also the official policy of communist China as well. Why wouldn't they want you to teach Bible prophecy? Because if you professing to be a Christian, knew anything about Bible prophecy, there's no way you could sign off on that. But hey, you know the trend, don't teach Bible prophecy. And it keeps you in the dark. I wonder who would want us to do that in the last days in the church when all this is ramping up. Anybody take a guess? It's not by chance. I really think it's spiritual warfare. But here's the point, folks, as we close, what more does God got to do, man, to get our attention? I'm not making this up. Check it out for yourself. I say it all the time. Okay? It's not a time to be fearful. It's time to be faithful. Guess what? That means Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back for his bride. It's that close. We should be excited about his return. And that's what he says every single time. Luke 21, when these things begin to take place, yes, even with the health care bill, yes, even here in America, woo, stand up, Christian, yeah. Praise God, lift up your heads, he's coming back. Your redemption draws near. So therefore, in the meantime, until that happens, we don't know the exact date nor the hour, then hey, here's an idea. I think this will please God. How about we stop fighting each other? How about we start working together and we get busy getting the gospel out, letting people know that Jesus Christ alone can save. That's what Bible prophecy should do. It motivates us. But man, I'm here. I'm telling you, as we close today, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I beg you, please, heed the signs, heed the warnings. What more does God got to do to get your attention? Come on. He's being merciful to you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He certainly doesn't want you to go into seven-year tribulation. But you need to call out upon the name of Jesus Christ today and trust in his work on the cross, not your own, to get you to heaven and escape the wrath to come now because tomorrow may be too late. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. 
The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. 
okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.